This podcast contains graphic descriptions that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. All right, now, with that being said, welcome to the Mortal Musings Podcast. Can you stop fucking about with that arm? Get lost. Just start the fucking case, like. All right, so we're going to do Richard Chase today. Who's that? He was a serial killer in the seventies. It, it's actually, um, it's it's one that I always thought was a bigger case. I thought it was more well known, but apparently it's not. I Vampire of Sacramento. No. No. Well, you're not alone. Like I said, it's apparently it's not in the same leagues as Bundy and Dahmer and all that, but. For some reason, I always thought it was. But um, let's start with a bit of his background. So he was born Richard Trenton Chase on the 23rd of May in 1950 in Sacramento, California. His parents were said to be very strict. Uh, it was also said that there was some abusive behaviour in his childhood. Oh, it seems to be. Yeah. I mean, it seems more rare that you hear of a killer or something that had a lovely childhood, nothing was ever wrong. It's like, I'm not, I'm not saying they didn't, but how many serial killers who've been caught now have been like, well, everyone else said they got they had a bad childhood, so I'm going to say I had a bad childhood. It might be the case, I don't know, but I'd say majority of them do. I'd say majority of them have, yeah. whether it's neglect or abuse. Uh, from an early age, Richard showed some concerning behaviours, including setting fires and cruelty towards animals. No good. When he was getting into his teen years, he would begin drinking and using drugs, predominantly weed and LSD, which I don't really see weed as a big problem. But No. The the cruelty to animals, um, yeah. like that's That, red that is a big deal. Like, yeah, so when, when I was growing up, just real quick, I can't remember the name of the person, um, but I'm, they probably grew up to be a wrong one. They put a frog in a bottle and then whacked the bottle against barbed wire, a barbed wire fence. Yeah. What do you mean? It was in a bottle and then whacked it It was a little frog and he got it and he put it in a bottle, a bottle of pop, an empty bottle of pop. Yeah. And then whacked it. Oh, so the blades went through the the bottle. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Is Is he locked up, do you know, or? I can't remember who it was. I just remember seeing it. I I must have been about 13. Uh, and yeah, there were a few of us. We just walked off. It was like, nope. No good. Stay the fuck away from him. Yeah. So uh, during his teen years, he did actually have a number of girlfriends. These relationships didn't seem to last, though. And it was reported that he was unable to become sexually aroused. And that may have become an issue in his relationships. Because of this issue, at age 18, Richard went to a psychiatrist who suggested that the cause of his impotence was suppressed rage and also a potential mental illness. As a young adult, Richard would move out of his parents' house and, I mean, we live in Ireland. We do. So what's that like, at 18, to be moved out of your parents' house? Well, I was 20. But you're from the north of England. Yeah. That's a different ballgame. You keep saying this. So the rent's cheaper. Yes. But so is the wage. Yes, but the living in general is cheaper there. Yeah. But the wage, yes. Yeah, but you're not getting paid as much as well. 
but you still are getting paid enough to be able to live on your own, have your own place. Because bear in mind, yeah. when you moved out, you weren't moving out to live with a load of roommates. You were moved out on your own at 20. Yeah, I got my own place. You know what I mean? You were pretty lucky in that way. Yeah. You know? So unlike yourself, Richard did have roommates and they would speak about his strange behaviour. He didn't clean up after himself or maintain his personal hygiene. His behaviour was erratic and his drug use obviously did not help the situation. Yeah. His roommates would tire of his behaviour and they all ended up moving out and that forced Richard to move back home. Wouldn't it have just been easier to making him move out? You'd think, but it might have just been one of those things like, ah, fuck this, it's not even worth the argument. Like, if he was acting so strangely and erratic, they might have thought, I just want to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, Something that plays a major role in the story of Richard Chase is that he suffered from hypochondria. What's that? So, basically, he he always thought, like, he's very concerned with his health. He'd always think there's something wrong with him, or he's very paranoid. Okay. Um, So, a couple of his worries to do with his health... He believed that his heart would stop beating at times. He had actually gone to an emergency room once stating that someone had stolen his pulmonary artery. What's that? So it, it's one of the main arteries that pumps blood to your heart. He said someone had nicked it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He claimed that his stomach was positioned backwards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He said that his cranial bones had broken apart and were moving around. And he did shave his head in an effort to monitor the movements of the bones. Right. In fear that he was deficient in certain vitamins, he would hold oranges against his head in hopes that he would be able to directly absorb vitamin C. Fuck off. Yeah. This is what I mean. Like, he was... Like, when when you think of all these things that factor into him and what he did... Like, he had multiple issues. Like, imagine being that paranoid... Like you're sticking an orange on your head. Sticking an orange on your head, hoping to absorb it, or shaving your head because you're that paranoid that there's movement in your skull. So he was a bit of a div then? Well, he was someone that wasn't well. Oh, okay. In 1975, at the age of 25, Richard was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. He would spend a lot of time going in and out of psychiatric treatment facilities. He did actually escape from one, and he just showed up back at his mother's home. Now, this is where it kind of takes a bit of a dip. He was involuntarily committed to a psychiatric hospital after he had gone to the hospital for blood poisoning and that was caused by him injecting rabbit's blood into his veins. We'll, 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 we'll talk more. <laughs> Don't worry. Okay. I know, it's a bit of a what? So during his time at the psychiatric hospital, workers there said that they had witnessed him kill and drink the blood of several birds. And because of his fixation on blood, the workers there nicknamed him Dracula. His reasons for drinking or injecting the blood were related to his his concerns regarding his health. He believed that his blood was turning to powder. So again, like very extreme concerns he has to do with his health. It's, you know. Um, Yeah, he didn't just drink or inject the blood. He would buy rabbits, kill them in order to eat the entrails. Sometimes he would mix the internal organs with blood and blend them together in order to make an elixir of sorts. I also did read that sometimes he would mix Coca-Cola in with it. Why? Maybe he had a sweet tooth. Make it more palatable. I'm I'm not quite sure. I don't think anything's going to make it more palatable. Yeah. 
So again, he's suffering from hypochondria and paranoid schizophrenia. And as well as that, he had somatic delusions. And that's believing that there is something wrong with your body, possibly an infection, you know, parasite or something like that. Um, Also, you could suffer from distorted body image with that. And don't forget his substance abuse. That was only exacerbating everything, making things so much worse. Yeah. Doctors at the psychiatric hospital believed that Richard had been rehabilitated and they released him. Okay. Yeah. He was back in his mother's care. Uh, not too long after, though, Richard moved out, believing that his mother was trying to poison him. Oh, okay. So clearly he's feeling much better. Yeah. Tip top. <laughs> so left to his own devices, he would be back to torturing and killing animals. Rabbits, cats and dogs and um, drinking their blood. So not much has changed. They didn't seem to help him with anything. Apparently, one of the animals was that of a dog who was missing and he contacted the family to tell them what he had done to their pet dog. Fucking hell. Yeah, so it said that he would, um, whether he found animals, you know, he would catch rabbits or whatever, he would also buy them. See, when you say he contacted them, to be basically like, there's no need to look for him dead. Or was he like taunting them? Like It said to tell them what he had done to the dog. So I read that as a more malicious sounding thing. But taunting? Yeah. Okay. But it wasn't there, I don't know. Piece of shit. Mm. There was also a reported incident where he showed up at his mother's home. While there, he tore open a dead cat, smeared the blood all over him. And I'm actually not sure if it was his mother's cat or not. There's reports saying both. But uh, that's pretty shocking to open your door and see that. How have I never heard of this? I don't. This is what I'm saying. Like, I've known about this case for years. I've known it was a bad one. Yeah. But apparently it's not in the same leagues as the bigger boys. You know, like I said, the Dahmers, the Bundy, you know, all that. We didn't even get to any people yet and I'm horrified. I, I know. And... I tell you, it, it, it escalates pretty quick. Like, all of this happens within a fairly short amount of time. So his current roommates had also had complaints about Richard's behaviour, one of which being that he would walk around the apartment naked. Oh, Richard, you can't be doing you that. You can't, you can't be going around with your lad out. Again, his room... <laughs> so you fucked yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> Again, his roommates all moved out and he was left on his own. So this is a bit of a situation that Richard found himself in. Okay. On the 3rd of August, 1977, Nevada police found Richard's Ford Ranchero stuck near Pyramid Lake. He was uh, naked and um, covered in blood. And also there was a bucket containing blood and a liver in the back of his vehicle. Two rifles were sat on the seat. And when police spotted him, he ran. The police did manage to catch him and the liver turned out to be from that of a cow and he said that the blood that was all over him was from him and they let him go. Now there's a couple things. Like I don't know what they could have arrested. It might have been one of those situations where he's not technically doing anything wrong but all those bits together with the guns and the seat. Well someone owns that cow. Well I mean So trespassing uh Slaughtering of you, someone's animal, like yeah. Well, I I don't know what the situation, like 
what they could have arrested him on or, you know, yeah. in that area. But here's the thing that I took from this story. Imagine, because he ran yeah. and they had to go catch him. He was naked and covered in blood. No one wants to tackle the naked no, man. No, no, especially another man. Uh, they're going to be very cautious <laughs> about, you know. Bits. Getting hit with the lad on the head. <laughs> like, trying to tackle him to the floor. You won't come back from that. <laughs> yeah, I was I was reading this story and I was like, Jesus Christ, like, how did he not get arrested? But, you know, again, I don't know the situation yeah, with the no, laws and if all. That, if that happened, there'd be no coming back from that. Yeah, that was exactly my thought, Reid. It was just, oh, I wouldn't want to be that officer. And it's back no then, they, they wouldn't have had tasers, would they? I don't know. But in the 70s, I don't, I don't think they'd have had tasers. Probably just a gun, which... I gun or a, 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 a nightstick. But, um... We'll move on from that. Okay. Uh, on the 17th of October in 1977, the body of Yolanda Washington was found and she was the first victim of the Hillside Stranglers. Okay. Richard would become fascinated with the Hillside Stranglers. He admired them a lot. He would follow the news and just watch, watch it unfold, listen to the news of each murder that came through and, you know... It clearly became a bit of a fixation for him. So the reason why he was fascinated with them, because in the seventies there were so many, yeah, serial I, killers. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what piqued his interest with them, but uh, yeah, no, he was. Uh, I take it from the name they just strangled. The, you know about the Hillside Stranglers? Do I? Mm-hmm. Can you? Can you? There's that many. I'm. <laughs> Like, that was the point of this, because you know I can't remember everything. But I'm guessing they strangled if they were called stranglers. Yeah, so obviously we won't get into them now. We're not covering them right now. But yeah, it was initially like the Hillside Strangler, but it did turn out to be two. Right. But uh, yeah, we will cover it at some point. But not long after this, uh, Richard would go on to commit his first murder. So I'm guessing it did have a heavy influence, or at yeah. least give him whatever boost he needed yeah, yeah. to do it. The courage, I suppose. On the 29th of December in 1977, Richard shot and killed Ambrose Griffin in a drive-by shooting. Ambrose, Just a drive-by? Yeah. Right, okay. Ambrose was 51 years old and he was married with two sons. So Ambrose had just returned from shopping and he and his wife were taking the food out of their car at the time of the shooting. Um, apparently he was shot and dropped and from his wife's perspective, she thought he'd had a heart attack or something. She literally just saw him go down. Yeah. After a few different reports that led nowhere, a report that had been filed two days earlier on the 27th detailed the search of a woman's kitchen who said a shot had been fired at her home. Only a few blocks away where they found a 22 caliber slug. It was proven to be fired from the same gun used in the shooting at the Griffin house. So after his first kill, Richard would escalate from shooting from a distance to a more grotesque involvement in the murders. Between his first and second kill, his behaviour had been noted by people he encountered. On the 11th of January, Don Larson, one of his neighbours, was asked by Richard for a cigarette. She gave him a cigarette, but when she went to walk away, he stopped her. He didn't actually let her leave until she handed over the entire pack. Which is just one of those fucking weird, like, you kind of be like, yeah, Ugh. like, you hadn't done anything too bad, but enough to freak you the fuck out. Yeah. She had also said that during her time living in the same apartments as Richard, that she had seen him bringing animals into his apartment, but had 
never seen them again. So moving on to his second murder, that took place on the 23rd of January in 1978. Richard shot Teresa Wallen. He dragged her body into the bedroom. Richard would then mutilate her body. He cut off one of her nipples, cut open her torso. He had removed organs, as well as causing severe damage to multiple organs that were still within her body. There were stab wounds also to her left breast. That that always seems to be a thing, doesn't it? Like, you have stabbings, but then always oh, stabbing of the breast. Yeah. Mutilation of the breast. Always be, yeah. seems to be something to do with the breast. Hmm. That wasn't the only thing that was done. This is some really, probably one of the weirder details of this case. Before he left, he had placed animal feces into her mouth. I'm not quite sure why. I don't... It's just one of those horrible details that's kind of like, whoa. Uh, I don't is know. Is it just a massive sign of disrespect? I to... don't... Like, you would assume so, but... Is he saying she's talking shit? <laughs> no, no, no. Like, is that his way of saying she was talking shit? I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's just a very odd piece of information that goes along with it. Yeah. There was also a bloodstained yogurt container found at the scene and it appeared that it had been used as a cup to drink her blood. Of course it did. Teresa was 22 years old. She was married and she was also three months pregnant. That night, Teresa's husband, David, arrived home. There was no lights on, the stereo was playing and their dog was waiting for him. He walked through and found his wife's body laid on the floor. Her top had been pulled up over her breasts. Her bottoms and underwear were at her ankles. Her legs had been left in an open position. Richard had also engaged in necrophilia with her body. Here we go. It's it's quite an ex- escalation from his first murder. It's yeah. so extreme. Yeah. Like a drive-by. Like not only is it he shot, killed, pissed off. Just clearly weren't enough. Yeah, it's just so crazy to... Right, so he's gone up relatively close to her, shot her, brought yeah. her to the house, done all these horrific acts. I I wonder if um, so the first one it was just I need to kill. I really I, I really want to feel what it's like. I'm you know I'm getting bored of killing animals. I'm gonna go for humans now. Yeah. Um, and then I wonder because of the time and the location, I wonder if once it got to this one. He was trying to, like, outshine other serial killers. Because, did you say this is California? Yes. Yeah, so seven is California. I wonder if he was trying to make... Well, it's going to make front page anyway, but... Well, it's... When you hear about the the drinking and injecting of the blood, that's where you can understand his thought process of, you know, taking organs out, drinking the blood, obviously. Same thing again. But when it gets to the necrophilia, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. How has it got to that point? Yeah, yeah. Well, that to do with injecting the blood, I wonder if, uh, you know, because you said he was always worried for his health. Yeah. So some people say the more blood you have in your body at one time, the healthier you are. So is that what you... I have no idea. But Teresa's husband, David, told the son, quote, All I know is the noise I was making. I was screaming and screaming so much that my neighbours raced over to help me. And just to um, 
just give a little bit of insight to where they were in their lives. Obviously, they, you know, they were very young. She was only 22 years old. David said, we were just getting started. And he also recalled how she broke the news that she was pregnant. David said he was just about to sit down to watch a boxing match. And he said, she looked at me and said, you're not going to believe it. But before the fight starts, I just want to tell you, you're going to be a dad. So it's just, they were right there, right at the beginning of their lives. Yeah. You know, and it's just shattered for him. Just to kind of ease the blow a little bit, because that one is so fucking bad. Uh, David had since remarried and he did go on to have a daughter. So at least, you know, he's never going to be okay with what happened, obviously. Yeah. But at least he found some type of life afterwards. And he did actually talk about with his daughter about how um, he's overprotective of her. Like her growing up, he said he did talk to her about what had happened when she was relatively young to make her understand why he's overprotective at times. Why I want you to always let me know where you are, what's going on. But um, Because could you imagine if it happened twice? Yeah, I know. So a couple of days later, not far from the Wallen home, a puppy was found and that puppy had been killed and mutilated. So he's up to his old tricks again. Yeah. And earlier on the same day as the Teresa Wallen murder, Richard actually tried to enter a different residence. A woman noticed a man attempting to open the patio door, but it was locked. He tried the windows too, but they were locked as well. So he moved on. This is something that Richard would later bring up, stating that he considered a locked door as an indicator that he was not welcome, whereas an unlocked door was an invitation. See, right, why do you think, I? how many times have I gone mad at you? You locked the door. I, I don't care if you're just sat watching TV, if you're going for a nap, if you're in for the day, lock the door. It's it's not difficult. You don't lock the door. But I'm here with you. But I know for a fact when I'm out, you'll leave it unlocked. Well, to be fair, I need to get another key code anyway because I gave the spare one to my mother. So I actually do need to get another one. So when you leave, I'm just taking a risk. <laughs> but yeah, no, like that is, um, it is very strange and it is terrifying to know that yeah. that could have been you. It was just that you happened to have your door and windows locked. Like, could you imagine finding out that you were the first house he fucking tried? Yeah, yeah, Fuck that. So another close encounter was that of Robert and Barbara Edwards. As they arrived home, Richard heard them and ran. So they were actually in the house at the same time as them. They looked around their home to notice their belongings had been gone through. And when they checked their child's room, they found that the intruder had urinated on the child's clothing and defecated on the child's bed. Shit. Yeah. Now, what the fuck, Richard? Like, come on. But then again, he's leaving so much evidence. Oh, it's the 70s. It's just, like, I mean, I don't know what I would do if I walked into that. I mean, I'd be ter- if I was someone in my house, I'm fucking God. You well, can have the, the house. child first. You blame the child first. I'd be like, why have you shit on your bed? No, because you, you wouldn't think someone's... A full adult-sized shit just in the middle of the child's bed, and you're like... Fucking Tommy, what have you done? How old's the child? It just says a child. Yeah, so if the child's 10, their shit's going to be the same size. But you wouldn't <laughs> automatically jump to someone else has snuck in. You'd be like, what no, the fuck? No, they saw wrong? him. Oh, okay. They were in the house at the same time as him and he ran off. Ah, okay. Once there was the, you know. The fuck, Rich? I know. Like, come on. 
So we're moving on to the next set of murders. So on the 27th of January, Richard invited himself into the home of Evelyn Moroth. That day, Evelyn was home with her son Jason and her nephew David. Her friend Dan Meredith was also over visiting. So once in the house, Richard shot Dan, leaving his body in the hallway. He would then move through the house and shot both Evelyn and Jason. Richard would proceed to mutilate the body of Evelyn. Her torso had been cut open. Her intestines were pulled out. There were several cuts to her neck and it looked as though he had tried to remove one of her eyes. I am very sorry. You did ask for a trigger warning for yourself. And I, I forgot did. that bit. I am very sorry. I'm getting set up. I know I'm getting set up. I'm, and I am genuinely sorry. I, I completely forgot about that one detail. It, it's it's kind of a hard, There's so much graphic detail in this that I, I honestly did, you know. Multiple organs had also been damaged. She had been stabbed through the anus and into her uterus. That just made me clench. <laughs> I'm not surprised. It's pretty fucking like I graphic. I could have clenched a euro between my ass cheeks then. Again, Richard engaged in necrophilia. Swabs taken found the presence of semen in the rectum. That's the ass. Yes. Okay. I'm just checking. <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> I didn't think you were going to say anything there. And it was just the pause and that's the arse. <laughs> No, I wasn't saying it as a fact. I was asking. No, was, but I know. I just, you know, because it was, you didn't like say anything or whatever. And then you, it was like you thought about it and were like, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Richard was interrupted when a neighbour knocked on the door. He took Dan Meredith's car and fled. So Jason, Evelyn's son, was supposed to be on a play date that day. But when he didn't show up and there was no answer at the door, neighbours called the police out of concern. When police arrived, they found Dan in the hallway. Evelyn was left on her bed, naked with her legs spread open. And Jason was left in Evelyn's bedroom as well. Always legs spread open as well. Yeah. That's that's another like massive sign of disrespect. When you're trying yeah. to pose them in some type of sexual manner, it's, it's horrible. They'd all been shot in the head and Jason had been shot twice. Have you noticed something? Well, Her nephew's missing. Um. So her nephew was not there. Police found blood in the bed that David had slept in. And it turns out Richard had left with David, but not before he killed and mutilated the body. Brain matter was found in the bathroom. Richard had split his skull open. He's done all this and then took? Yes. Oh, God. Richard would take David back to his apartment where he would continue to cannibalise the body. The body would later be found decapitated in a box nearby a church. Sorry, like, how is this not on the same scale as yes, Dharma? Yes, I know. I know. This is what I mean. Like, I always thought it was. And then I realised that people were kind of like, oh no, is I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, but is it because it's so gruesome, it's like, try and keep it quiet? Maybe. Like, I don't know. Like, Dharma is pretty fucking bad as well. Yeah. And like, people are obsessed with that case. I don't know. It's just the more you're telling me, it's it's, it's more baffling, but it, it's not well known. Yeah, I like know. Like, you were surprised, but I didn't know it. Yeah. So, Evelyn was 38 years old. Dan was 51 years old. Jason was six. 
and David was 22 months. 22 months? Yeah. And bear in mind, like, that was her nephew. Yeah. His mother would later be like, where's my son? What's going on? What's happened? Yeah. You'd be be shitting it. So Sheriff Dwayne Lowe said of the murders, quote, the most bizarre, grotesque and senseless killings I've seen in my 28 years. And he said that these were murders that had terribly disturbed him. So through his crimes, Richard earned the nicknames the Vampire Killer and the Vampire of Sacramento. FBI agent Robert Ressler profiled Richard and the profile states, white male, aged 25 to 27 years, thin, undernourished appearance, residence will be extremely slovenly and unkempt and evidence of the crimes will be found at the residence, history of mental illness and will have been involved in use of drugs will be a loner who does not associate with either males or females and will probably spend a great deal of time in his own home where he lives alone. Unemployed, possibly receives some form of disability money. If residing with anyone, it would be with his parents. However, this is unlikely. No prior military record, high school or college dropout, probably suffering from one or more forms of paranoid psychosis. Nail on the fucking head. What, age, everything? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Like, I mean, it's fairly spot on, you know? So, because all of these murders took place within a small enough distance between them, they thought he would probably live nearby, which he did. Yeah. The murders also took place within a very short of ma- amount of time. Now, think about this. All that carnage he has just caused, right? Yeah. That all took place... Between December 77 and January 78. Oh. Yeah. Like, that's fucking insane. So, because of that, they knew he was likely to kill again and they had to act quick. Yeah. You think, if, if he hadn't... If he hadn't been stopped, what the fuck would his numbers been like? Yeah, yeah. Like, as well, with with the profiling, it's how do they do it? It is fascinating. It's so amazing. Really is. So like obviously like when they're getting people calling in, so this does happen in the case, I'm about to go into it a bit. When you get people calling in and kind of going, well, look at this guy, look at that guy and da, 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 they can piece it together. But there's somewhere it's like, how the fuck did you come up with that? Yeah. yeah, there was one I told you about last week or two weeks ago. You know, with the, the caught from DNA of a pizza box. Yeah. That was, that was unreal. I can't remember what case that was for. So, uh, as well as that, the the FBI profiler that worked on this case, he had also worked on the case of Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, and John Wayne Gacy. So, all the big boys. Yeah. He knew what he was fucking at. So, things really started to come together in the investigation after they were in contact with a woman named Nancy Holden. Nancy was a former high school classmate of Richard's. She had ran into him previously and had a uncomfortable interaction with him so much so that she said she just wanted to get away from him and she was shocked at how different he was from who she once knew yeah and as soon as nancy saw the police sketch and how similar it was to richard she was like it's fucking him yeah like i got i gotta talk to him i gotta report it Another piece of the puzzle was when they checked the gun registration of a 22 caliber semi-automatic handgun the same one used in each murder and records showed that Richard had purchased one in December of 1977. 
Detectives did a background check on Richard. And once they saw a history of mental illness and run-ins with the law, they got his address and paid him a visit. When they got to his apartment, they knocked repeatedly to no answer. They were pretty sure he was home, so they just walked off and waited elsewhere. Okay. When Richard finally emerged, they apprehended him. On him at the time of his arrest was Dan Meredith's wallet. So he's done. I fucked it. When they later searched his apartment, it was a horrific scene. Just about everything was bloodstained. Dishes, cups, utensils, they were all stained. There was a plate with brain matter on it, a blender that was covered in blood and smelled of decay. Body parts were found in his fridge. And something else that was found in his apartment was a calendar marked with today on the dates of the Wallen and Marath murders. Oh. It's no fucking good. So on the 2nd of January in 1979, Richard stood trial for six counts of murder. A change of venue was requested due to the attention that the case had attracted in the area, which I'd say is for the best. Richard would plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Again, I'd say fair, yeah. Yeah. The defence tried for second-degree murder to avoid the death penalty. They stated he never received the proper treatment for his mental illness, which... Which mean. was always the case. Like, yeah, that's why, hopefully, we won't really see many cases like this in the future because people are quicker to get help for the mental illness and the help's more available now yeah. than it used to be. So after being examined by multiple psychiatrists during the trial, they determined that even allowing for delusions, Richard could still differentiate between right and wrong. Yeah. So David, the husband of Theresa Wallen, he took the stand during the trial and he was the first of more than 100 witnesses. The evidence against him was clearly overwhelming and after a four-month trial and a five-hour deliberation, Richard was found guilty on all six counts. He was sentenced to death by gas chamber at St. Quentin. Um, like I said to you earlier about it, it's it, it makes the case for please get help if you're struggling with mental health and please pay more attention to people yeah. who are going through stuff. Like shit like this it's, could have been avoided or I mean, maybe not even avoided, but lessened well, the, so much. The other thing is, you know, be nicer to people you don't know because you don't yes. know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know what's going on in the head. You don't know what it could trigger and start. Yeah. You know, people just need to be nicer in general. 100%. So while in prison, Robert Ressler, who I mentioned earlier, who did the profile of Chase. Yeah. He was able to interview Richard Chase during his time in prison. And he would speak about his fears of Nazis and UFOs. Nazis? Yeah. Um, he also handed over to wrestler a large portion of macaroni and cheese because he believed he was being poisoned again. What was the ramblings of UFOs and Nazis? He he basically believed that they were kind of like forcing him to commit these crimes. And oh, he he's believed, blaming the na- oh, okay. Yeah. He he admits that he killed but they said it wasn't my fault, you know. 
um, and that he had to kill to keep himself alive. Okay. Yeah. So his fellow inmates were aware of how gruesome his crimes were and it really bothered them. You know, like you you often hear about um, people getting attacked in prison because their crimes were, whether it was against women or children or just sexual in nature. Yeah. No good. They would encourage him to commit suicide, which again goes to show how much it was there to just get him the fuck out of here. We don't have him near us. They didn't take him to their own hands. They were literally just don't want him here. Can you imagine how uneasy it would be with his present? Like, yeah. Him just being there. And that, you know, telling him to commit suicide. Yeah. Because if one of them got hold of him. Yeah. It would have been a lot worse for him. That's what I mean. Like, it, it's just like, that's how uncomfortable they must have been that they weren't even like, I will handle this. They were like, just get him out of here. Yeah. Don't want him. So what they were saying to Richard and encouraging him to do, obviously got into his head because on the 26th of December, 1980, Richard was found dead in his cell. An autopsy revealed the cause of death to be an overdose. And he was able to do that by stockpiling his pills. See, that's another thing. Like, we've seen it in 60 Days In, how easy it is for people to... Just flip it under their tongue or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's, that's the story of Richard Chase, the vampire of Sacramento. Okay, so... Moving away from Richard and on to an oddity. Okay. Neil, have you ever heard of figging? What? <laughs> have you ever heard figging. of figging? Yeah. Sorry, if you haven't, I'd never heard of it until about a week or so ago. Isn't this not a trick question? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like, have I heard the, that? The reason Is that, this something I'd have read on Urban Dictionary? I quite often ask you if you've ever heard of it, just because I think it's funny. If you, if you do know, then great. If you don't... Is it something to do with digging out of an asshole or something? <laughs> No. So, right, what you do is, yeah. Are you giving me tips? No, no I'm, it's, it's almost a recipe here. Okay. So, you get a piece of ginger. Yeah. Yeah. You with me? You peel it. Okay. Leave it raw. There's no need to cook it, right? Uh huh. Ginger peeled raw. Yeah. And then what you're going to do is you're going to shove it up someone's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be up the arse, though, okay? Don't. Don't box, your, don't box yourself in. Yes, it can be inserted into someone's vagina. Oh, okay. Okay, All right. <laughs> and uh, figging, it was used as a punishment for slaves in ancient Greece and Rome. And that's why I thought you might have heard because obviously you're really interested in Rome. I've history. heard figging. I just couldn't tell you what it was, but I definitely heard, heard of it. Well, yeah, it was, it was used to discipline female slaves. So they would be restrained when this was done. And the reason it was done is because the ginger would cause intense burning. So the discomfort would last for about 30 minutes. And if you were to tense your muscles, the burning will become more intense. Not to improve their method, but I would probably do cinnamon. If you shove a cinnamon stick up their <laughs> ass. I bet you that'd burn. Well, here's where it gets bad. So, I mean, well, it's already bad, but it gets worse. So if you were a real bollocks about this, you wanted someone to suffer. You would also cane the person while you were doing this. So that would mean they would have to choose between bracing themselves for the strike yeah, and making the burning worse or just taking the full force of the hit. Now, what kind of sadistic fuck was doing this? <laughs> on, on a... Can I ask, what was you searching <laughs> for that to come up? Right. So I was looking for some 
Something as sick as Richard Chase. <laughs> no, I was looking for, um, you know, some stuff to do for oddities. So I was looking at like uh, darker facts in history or just, you know, yeah. shit like that. I think it was on um, like 60facts.net. It was something like that. As soon as that came up, I was like immediately searching it and going like, what the fuck is this? But yeah, um, it wasn't just used in ancient times. It has also been used on horses. Why? People would put into horses to make their tails stand higher. It was like a, a, an image thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It made the horse look younger or something it was said. They would, you know, just stand up. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's just arseholes. I don't think it's, pra- it's a practice now. I fucking hope not. But it is still a thing nowadays, but now for sexual pleasure. Burning. Yeah. Like, look, it's not my preference, but, you know, go for it. There you go. Figging from ancient times up till now, still uh, still going strong. How, how how long does the burning last? About thirty minutes, it said. Um, they would also sometimes, if you know, again, if you're a real prick about it, you would get a fresh piece and insert it, or you could take out the piece that was used, shave it down so it's like fresher, <laughs> and insert it again. Shaving shit off a piece of ginger and putting it back in. Well, you know, I've never done it myself, but. Hope you fucking don't. <laughs> All right. So uh, we went from Richard Chase to figging. Mm-hmm. Very informative podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mortal Musings podcast. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and hearing extra content, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash mortal musings podcast. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Mortal Musings Podcast. Or email us at mortalmusingspodcast at gmail.com. Mortal Musings.